spent six weeks now on the Lord's Prayer. And so for six weeks we've been looking at this prayer, this model prayer that Jesus gave phrase by phrase. And I hope that you've been able to be a part of all of it. If not, then we always have all of the messages on podcasts so that you can uh, take hold of it and not miss out on any part of it. But what we have done every week is we have quoted or I've insisted that we all attempt to quote the Lord's Prayer from the King James Version and uh, to say it and, and maybe memorize it phrase by phrase each week or whatever works for you. So hopefully, if you've been here since week one, you've got the Lord's Prayer down. Oh yeah, there's some confident people in the house. So let's stand together and let's quote the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Give yourselves a hand as you're seated. Good job. Good job. All right, today we are going to look at the last and final phrase of this Lord's Prayer. And so uh, you, you can turn to Matthew chapter 6 where it is, but more especially we are going to focus on the last words of Jesus on this planet that are recorded for us in Acts chapter 1. So if you have a Bible, if you have the Bible on the device, you might want to go to that spot and hold it there. Uh, what Jesus said about this prayer, and I want to emphasize this again today as we wrap this up, it is not to be just a, a little prayer that we memorize and we just say it every day without feeling. Or, or that's all we say. Because Jesus said, don't think that you're going to get heard just because of some vain repetitions. You know, if you just come and in vain you just say what you said yesterday and you just kind of repeat something, it, it's, if it's not meaningful, it's not meaningful to me. And, and so we need to be sure that we're using this as it was intended, I believe, as a model prayer for us that we be mindful. And that's what we've attempted to do over these five weeks uh, past is to understand the meaning behind these phrases that Jesus strategically used when he was asked the question, how do we pray? And I think one of the things that we need to keep in mind as we pray this prayer is that we pray a prayer like this like it depends on God. Like it all depends on God. Just give it everything. In other words, when you're praying, you need to pray like you mean it. Hello? I mean, you need to get into it and understand who you're talking to and, and pray like you mean it and pray like it all depends on God. But after you say amen, then you need to work like it all depends on you. 
Because quite often what happens is, is I think we come to prayer and we're like, God, do it. You do it. That's why I'm asking you. That's why I'm praying, God. I, I want you to get me this and do this and arrange this. And, and really, we can be the answer to our prayer. And somehow we kind of want to pray without personal involvement, uh, without getting our hands dirty, and sometimes without it being con- inconvenient for us. We want it to be convenient And so we certainly, some of us, don't want to have to sacrifice. Yet the Bible talks all about sacrifice. It talks about take up your cross and follow Him. About the inconvenience sometimes of involvement. And I think of how the the Samaritan reached out to the man. It wasn't convenient to help him. It wasn't convenient to take him somewhere for help. But he did it in response to believing that that's what he was supposed to do. And I think sometimes we're asking God and he's asking us to do something about what we're saying. Now, let me just illustrate. We, we can pray, oh God, help homeless people around here. Oh God, we, we know they're near and dear to your heart. But let me tell you something. What the, our church did for the last two weeks is we took homeless people into our church and housed them here and fed them here. And many of you did that and helped us to make an amazing difference in people's lives over the last two weeks. And so it wasn't enough to just pray. Sometimes God will say, okay, now you go help them. Now you go do that. You go step in to the gap. And so there are certain things that I, I think even we, we don't even need to pray about. Now before you think that that sounds bad, let me just say what I'm talking about. You don't have to pray, God, should I love my neighbor as myself? You don't have to pray that. You don't have to pray, God, should I offer to you my tithes and offerings? Should I give of my first fruits to you? You don't have to pray and say, God, uh, would you want me to go the second mile for this person why do you not have to pray that because God's already said it God's already said all those things so he's already declared that that's his will and and so we don't even have to pray about that stuff what we do need to do is obey that stuff and sometimes after we pray to God now it's obey time now, now it's time to get active. Now it's time to step out and to be the answer. It only takes about 17 seconds or 20 seconds to say the Lord's Prayer, but it takes a lifetime to live it out. And God wants us to live out this prayer in our lives. So let me just quickly review what we've talked about. Uh, again, I would encourage you to go back and pick up any part that you missed, but the very outset, Jesus says, who are you talking to? When you pray, you're talking to our Father. He's our Father, and He's in heaven. 
So he wants a relationship with you, but he's not just a father. He's a father with power. He's in heaven who has a different perspective than maybe you have on your life or on that situation. And so we need to understand who's on the other line. Who are you talking to? And then he says that his name is hallowed or it's to be worshipped and it's to be exalted and God would you just exalt your name let your name be lifted up because we know that there's only one name whereby we can be saved right and there's only one name that demons tremble at and, and that people get all upset if you talk about that name pray in that name or what could you kind of tone down the Jesus part or whatever why is that why is it that that name has such power it's because one day at that name every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord there's power in that name and Jesus said, when you ask in my name, it'll be done. And so we're to, to use that name. Think about that name. Think about who we're talking to. How would be thy name? Thy kingdom come. Your kingdom, Lord. We'll talk about more about that today. Your kingdom, not my kingdom. You know, a lot of us are about our kingdom. But we were to submit our kingdom to his kingdom. Your will be done. See, before I get to my grocery list of what I want God to do, my wish list, you know, because a lot of us, we just rush on in and say, God, I need you to do this and this and this and this, and that'd be great. Okay, we'll talk to you later. And Jesus said, that's not a cool prayer. That's not, not really how it ought to work. Because you ought to get in a kingdom mentality because you just might not even ask for anything. If you did. Hello? You, you, if you're really submitting to his will, you might think, hmm, that's my will. That's, that's about my kingdom. So I think I'll just shut up now. I think I'll just be quiet. And so he says, your will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us. Now we get to talk about what we need. After we've submitted to the kingdom, after we've submitted to his will, and then we talk about our needs, and God, not just my needs, but our daily bread. It's plural. You don't, don't, don't talk about your needs. You cover your family. You cover the people you work with, that you go to school with. You pray over other people. Our daily bread, and it's a daily prayer that Jesus wants us to pray and then we petition for his forgiveness which is so crazy amazing right that he forgives and then we're to give it just like we received it and so we pray for that to happen and then we pray God lead us lead our lives Lead us in the way you'd have us to go and deliver us from evil because it is God's will for every person to live in freedom. Every person to live in freedom. 
is God's will for you to live in freedom today. So if you're spiritually bound by fear or, or by doubt or unbelief or, or whatever negativity from your past or whatever, God wants to set you free. And he wants to do that today, even right here in this place. But then after he says, deliver us from the evil one, some Bibles stop there. Okay, so if you happen to have a copy of that kind of Bible, and you're like, well, where'd that last phrase go? What happened to that? Or you may have a copy of the Bible that all of a sudden turns to italics and says the last phrase. And then maybe has an asterisk or a little letter or a number or something that points you down below, and then you read the little fine print at the bottom, and it says that the Newer transcripts do not have this phrase. To which you say, well, what does that mean? Well, what it means is, is the Bible has so much evidence for itself that it's absolutely stupid crazy, okay? Uh, there are way more transcripts, ancient transcripts of the Bible than other ancient writings. That proves how amazing it is that this word has come down so accurately through the ages. It's amazing. But what they did find is that the earliest transcripts don't have this last phrase. And so what Bible scholars have decided is that maybe it wasn't there. Maybe Jesus did end it with deliver us from the evil one. And then somebody's like, well, that's kind of abrupt. <laughs> that, that, that just kind of ends, you know? And, and so they, they put this phrase, perhaps, in there because of its biblical meaning. It's not meant anything wrong. As a matter of fact, if you want to look for its, uh, for its parallel... You can find it in 1 Chronicles 29 where David shares a doxology like this. And also Revelation chapter 5 talks about for yours is the kingdom power and glory forever. So it's not something that's inconsistent with the teaching of the whole word of God. And so here's what I want to say to those of you that say, well, you know, how can I trust the Bible or whatever? Let me tell you something. You can trust the Bible. And here's why you can trust the Bible. Because, it, it, again, it's more accurate than any other thing. There, there's, there's no one going around saying, can I trust the Iliad? Have you ever had that? Or somebody's like, I just don't know if I can trust the Iliad or not. The accuracy of it. And there's way less accurate copies of the Iliad than there are of the Bible. So if you put the Bible up against any other ancient writing, it blows it away. And so you don't want to get into that argument. But also, we're not going to argue about the Bible. Let me tell you something. As a fellow believer, I've never argued anybody into being a Christian. Never done it. And I've had some good arguments, you know. But I've never had that happen. 
And here's the thing. I'm not a Christian. I'm not a Christ follower because I believe the Bible's totally accurate. That's not what my faith is hinged on. My faith is hinged on the man that this book talks about. Because history records that 2,000 years ago, a man named Jesus Christ proclaimed to be the Son of God on this planet. And people walked with him and talked with him, and he did teaching, and he did miracles, and people other than the Bible talk about his miracles. There are other writings that talk about this man who did miracles. But the greatest miracle is when he prophesied and predicted his own death, burial, and resurrection and pulled it off. That's why Matthew wrote about him. It's not because he walked with him. It's because he met him after the resurrection. You see, Matthew didn't write Matthew because he was going to make a bunch of money off of writing a book. Because the book didn't even get published and circulated well to after he was dead and gone a long time before. What Christians believe is that Jesus was and is the Son of God who came to this planet, who died for our sins and was risen from the dead and He is Lord today. He is coming back. He is the Savior forever and forever and forever. He's it. That's what we hinge our faith on. But I believe this phrase is an awesome phrase. Not only is it in the Old Testament and the New Testament, but I believe it fits here as well. And, and I believe that the power of these three things that I want us to talk about today are all what Jesus shared. And as a matter of fact, it's not only the ending of this prayer, it's the last words that Jesus said before he took off on, of the planet. And so we're going to look at the book of Acts and what Jesus had to share about this. And this comes from a guy who wasn't a disciple of Jesus, but he came to faith after the resurrection. He was a doctor. His name's Luke. And here's what it says in the book of Acts, chapter 1. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. Now, notice the former book is the book of Luke. Okay, And so then Luke writes part 2. And, and it's what Jesus really continues to do today, even though he's gone, but he's still at work, right? Hello? He's still at work. And, and so he said, I wrote that other book about what he, all he began to do, but he's still doing something. He's, he's still working. And so he says that he was taken up into heaven after giving instructions to the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave them many convincing proofs that he was alive. Okay, so again, this is what our faith is really anchored to, is that Jesus is not dead. There is an empty tomb. It's been empty for over 2,000 years because on that resurrection day, there was no body there. 
No body in the tomb. And here's what he else he did. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. So he didn't pop out of the tomb and say, here I am. Now I'm gone. 40 days he hung out. 40 days he's having breakfast on the beach. He's showing up in houses. He, he's walking on the street with people and telling them about the kingdom of God. Because point one, your outline, it's all about the kingdom. It's all about the kingdom. It's always been all about the kingdom and we pray his kingdom come but understand this the disciples he's resurrected and all and they still don't get it can you imagine they still don't get it. now let me prove to you that they still don't get it verse 6 here's what it says then they gathered around him and asked him lord are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to israel in other words, now are we kicking the Romans out? Are we going to take over? Do I get to sit on the right side? And he gets to sit on the left side now? Is that, is that when it's going to happen? Are we getting ready to take over? And we get to be like VPs? They still didn't get it. And, and it's amazing to me that they don't understand the kingdom of God. But let me tell you something. They do get it. In just a few days, they're going to get it big time. And I pray that today we get this truth of the kingdom of God. Because it's kind of like weddings. You know, I was talking about Cassie's wedding coming up. You know, when I interview couples and they're wanting to get married and everything. And, you know, here, here's the guy and the gal in my office. And we're talking. And I just look at her. Because I just know it, it is not about him at all right he all he needs to do is just show up and say something at the right time that's it that's his part because she's been dreaming about this her whole life she's been dreaming about this day I told the first service and he's been dreaming about the night you know all of his life maybe you still okay all right some of you are more than okay all right so so anyway, uh, you know, they, they didn't understand the kingdom because it's not about us, but they get it. They get it in just a little bit, and, and they understand that it's, it's not just about the kingdom because it's also not just about the kingdom, but it's through his power. It's through his power. He, he's going to give them power and they're going to understand a little bit more of the kingdom. Look at this next verse, right after verse 6, where they asked him that. He says, it's not for you to know the times or dates. The Father is set by his own authority. But you will receive what power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. And so we are to receive power just like them. And Jesus is giving this power to them. And when they receive it, they're no longer about themselves. Now let me tell you something. Here's when you know that you've really got it. Is when it's not about you. 
See, because I'll tell you, that's when Jesus rules. Because our nature is, it is about me. And if you don't understand it's about me, let me just straighten you out on that, right? Because it is about me. And that, that's how we lean. But when the kingdom comes, when, when his kingdom comes, and wherever the king rules, that's his kingdom. And so we learn that the kingdom is the king's dominion. And so when the dominion of my heart is submitted to the king, all of a sudden it's not about me anymore. And that's how you know that some people really got saved because you're like, they are different now. Right? Some of you know that about you. You are different now because the king rules in your life. He rules within and he's changed everything. And here's how this power came. Acts chapter 4 verse 31 real quick. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. This after chapter 2 where the Holy Spirit was poured out. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Look at that. Uh, analogy of prayer and power. See, when you pray, then the power comes. And that's why we need to pray this prayer or a similar prayer to this every day of our lives. Because every day of your life, there's another kingdom that wants to rise up. I may know that. And it's the kingdom of me. Right? And I want to I wanna look out for me and my best interest and what I want to do with my life and it's about me. And, uh, and, and then when I submit to his kingdom and his power comes within, all of a sudden my focus changes and it's all about his kingdom and it's through his power. And thirdly, it's for his glory. It's for his glory. Glory. Second Peter chapter 1, Peter wrote this. He received honor and glory, talking about Jesus, from God the Father when the voice came to him from the majestic glory, saying, this is my son whom I love, with him I am well pleased. When did Peter know about this? He knew about it from Jesus' baptism, right? At the baptism of Jesus, this voice comes and says, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And after that, he began to go out and preach and teach and do miracles. Let me tell you something. When the power of God comes upon you through the Holy Spirit, he will give you enablement, giftings that are beyond yourself. In other words, you become an upgrade. Okay? You become a better version of you. And, and so when the Holy Spirit comes on you, here's what happens. People can think that, wow, you're something special. Wow, you, oh, wow, you know, uh, that's amazing how you do that. And let me tell you something. When those times come, what are we to do? We're to divert the glory to God. When Jesus was told, Oh, man, you do amazing miracles. I mean, could you, like, do that bread thing again? And, that, you know, that, that, was, that was something, you know. And we, we could use some more of that. And, and he was like, I only do what my Father does. And he gave glory to his Father. 
They said, your teaching is incredible. We've never heard anybody speak like you. No, no one teaches like you. And he says, I say what the Father tells me to say. What was he doing? He was pointing to the Father. He says, he sent me. Dad sent me. If you see anything good in me, if you see me doing these things, it's Dad in me. It's the Father working in me. And let me tell you something. When people see you doing something with your hands, when people say you speak well, when people say you teach incredibly, when people say you sing so nice, when people compliment you and tell you how you're great with kids or whatever, it's an opportunity for you and I to point the glory to who the glory belongs to. And say, let me tell you something. It's not me. It's the Father working in me, right? And it's an opportunity at work, at school, or wherever to bring glory to God because God truly deserves the glory. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 11 says, If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength that God provides. In other words, it's God gave you strength to do that. You didn't get it on your own. So that in all things, what? God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. It's not to me, but to Him be all glory, honor, and praise. Romans chapter 11. Let me give you one more verse and then we'll wrap this up. For from him, I love this verse, for from him and through him and for him are all things. Do you feel that way? It's just like every part of me is to bring glory to God. I love it when the psalmist says, I am just looking at my hand and I am fearfully and wonderfully made. It's just amazing. And I didn't do that. God did it. To him be the glory. To, to him be the glory forever. Because I don't know about you, but, and you may be different. You may, you may be more perfect than I am, okay? And, and I'll talk to you afterwards. You can give me pointers. But I'm, I'm going to tell you this. I'm going to tell you this. I, I come across better than I really am. Let me tell you something. If, if it weren't for him in me, if it weren't for his power working in me day and night, night and day, 24-7. Everything you see that you like about me, it is to him be all glory, honor, and praise. Hey, hey. Hey, 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 that house you live in, that isn't to your glory. God gave you that house. That car you drive, that isn't to your glory. God gave you that car. He gave you all 
things, the clothes you wear, the food you eat, the bed you sleep in, everything. In Him, Paul said, we live, we move, we have our being. It is all to Him, from Him, through Him, that all things belong for to Him be all the glory, honor, and praise. Oh, I feel like praising Him right now. How about you? So see, I, I just think, I, I just think that when, you, when you're talking about this prayer and, and you really get into it, and it's not just a boring grocery list anymore. And it's not just a to-do list for God to do for you and drop it off and hit the road. When, when you really get into this and you think about who am I talking to and what is his name and what power does he have? And I want to surrender to His kingdom. And may His will be done. And God, give us today what we need. And I'm going to forgive as I've been forgiven. And when we think about His goodness and what He's done for us, and we think about His forgiveness in our lives, and we think about His grace and His mercy and His love and His compassion in our hearts and lives, I just think we can't hardly stop but what we've got to praise Him, right? And thank Him. And to him be all glory, honor, and praise. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that, that you teach us how to pray. You didn't leave us out here to figure it out on our own and just uh, kind of wing it. But God, you showed us a way to think about who we're talking to. Think about your kingdom and think about your goodness and think about your forgiveness over our lives. And God, out of that should come such an expression of gratitude and praise and thanksgiving that erupts from our heart and our very spirit. So Lord, today, may we just reflect that glory. May we reflect your glory everywhere we go. Maybe you're here today and you say, Craig, I want to be a better reflector. I, I want to be a, a person that, that to him be the glory in my life. That, that I can point the way to God for others because of what God is, has done in my life and is doing in my life. And I know he will continue to do. Maybe you're here today and you'd say, Craig, I, I want that kind of reflecting going on in my life. I, I want everybody to know to Him be the glory, honor, and praise from my life. Will you shoot your hand up right now with mine and just say, yeah, yeah, that's how I want my life to be lived. Father, in every school, in every work environment, in every home, in every neighborhood, May there be across this county, across this west side of Indy, mighty reflectors. Not mighty because of us, but mighty because you are mighty in us. And God, we pray that you would just shine forth your glory in every act that we do, in everything that we do. Because it is to your glory that we live. It is to your glory and it is to the honor of your name that we sit here today. Because left to ourselves, we have no idea where we'd be. 
So God, we thank you for your grace, your mercy that is so infinite, so free, and so freely dispensed, so freely given. And now, Lord, let us freely give it. Let us be an awesome reflector of the incredible light that has shown itself in us. Maybe you're here today and you say, Craig, I don't feel like I've got that connection. I don't feel like I've got that light in me. I don't feel like I know God like a father to be able to just talk to Him like that. And maybe you used to do that or maybe you tried to do that, but somehow you got away from it. And today, maybe you just say, Craig, please pray for me. I, I need to come back to God or I need to come to God. I, I want to know Him. I want to be known by Him. I, I want to walk with Him. And if you're here today, Maybe you don't know all that entails, but you just know you need God in your life and you, and you want to give God a try. The Bible talks about taste and see that the Lord is good. And maybe if today you'd just like to have a sample of, of God's goodness in your life, I want to pray for you right now. Just slip up your hand and say, yes, that's me here this morning. How many are here? Yes, I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. How many others? Yes, up there. God bless you. Over here. God bless you. All right, several hands around the room. So Crossroads family, just pray this prayer with me to encourage everybody to pray it. Just say, Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to die on that cross for me, to pay for my sin. And I know I've sinned, but I want to start over. So please wash away my past. Release me from my guilt. Give me a relationship with you. For as much as I know how, I surrender my life to you. Thank you for coming in and giving me a new start today. In Jesus' name, amen. Church family, let's welcome those who prayed that prayer awesome. Listen, we would love to help you walk in your relationship.